In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Hey everyone, Josh and Chuck here to remind you that our last three shows of the year, and boy, this is a good show this year, are taking place very soon and tickets are still available. Yeah, so get in the saddle and come out and see us partners in Orlando, Atlanta, and Nashville. Just go to stuffyoushouldknow.com and click on the tour link and you can get all your tickets right there. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's here, too. And this is Stuff You Should Know About PCP. And yes, we're talking about the PCP you think we're talking about. <laughs> uh, the one from the, if you were a child of the 70s and 80s, where you heard that your friend's friend's cousin did it, and they <laughs> um, carved their face off with a butcher knife and then jumped off a building because they thought they could fly? <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact. That's exactly the PCP we're talking about. Yeah. Um, which stands for, by the way, I'm going to attempt this chemical name. You ready? This this one's easy. No pressure. Okay. I don't know how to say the ones. So oh, I'm just going to say. I just ignored that part. No, that's. I think it's kind of important, chemically speaking. <laughs> I think they didn't just put part of it in parentheses for nothing. Oh, but I'm just going to call it 1,1-phenylcyclohexylpipardine. And those Pe in the know, Pepperdine? Pepperdine, Piperdine, probably Piperdine. <laughs> I think it's Piperdine. Those in the know who don't smoke PCP but study it. Oh, no, you got it, it wrong. <laughs> Piperidine. Oh, I actually took out a syllable this time. Oh, man, this is gold. So the people who study it um, call it fencyclidine. Oh, okay. With a PH because it's fat. Yeah. And if, you, if you're wondering, like, oh, why do people even study this old street drug from the 70s? Uh, it's because it wasn't always that. It was, um, it was kind of the precursor to ketamine in a lot of ways, which we'll talk about here and there. Uh -huh. And if you think, well, people study ketamine, the party drug? Well, that's true, too, because both PCP and ketamine had um, legitimate uses and were created uh, for legitimate uses, like many drugs, yeah. recreation, recreational drugs. The Germans gave us both heroin and PCP. Um, I think in 1926, German chemists created PCP. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what they were creating it for. I think this is a time of, of experimentation in chemistry where you just put stuff together and saw what happened. Sure. So it sat on the shelf for almost 30 years before uh, Park Davis, a pharmaceutical company from the United States, which is now part of Pfizer, I believe, 
um, they came along and they said, hey, this would be a gangbusters um, tranquilizer, sedative, something. Let's figure yeah. out what to do with this because I just smoke some out back and I feel right. like a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, we should use this stuff. So they, they looked at it as an anesthetic at first. And I think it first came to market in like the mid-50s. And by 1965, they had removed it from the market. The reason yeah. they removed it from the market is, one, it showed very quickly it had a high potential for abuse because the hippies in San Francisco started smoking it before there was even hippies in San Francisco. Yeah. And um, it had a slew of side effects that you just really don't want, which is one of the reasons why we'll say you probably shouldn't do PCP. Yeah, we should have led with that. Sure. Like, what if someone heard the first, uh, what is this, four minutes of the episode? And turned it off. They're like, I got to go try PCP. Yeah, because Josh and Chuck said it exists. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't do PCP, everybody. You shouldn't do that. Uh, and this is not, you know, uh, coming as a um, sort of satanic, panicky 80s, you're going to jump off a building because you think you can fly kind of thing. Right. It's just not a drug you want to do. So, uh like you said, you know, uses, well, I don't think we've even said it yet. Uses really dropped off over the years. It was uh, a very much a bigger deal in the 1970s and 80s. I think um, stats that the Grabster found for us saw that between 76 and 77, uh, use among high school students doubled. And in a 1979 study, 7% of high school seniors reported having used PCP in the last year. Uh, in 2013, that was down to less than 1%. And then in 2020, though the the stats are a little bit different, um, I think it went down to like 0.0002% mm -hmm. of the country, not just high school students. So Of adults. Uh, yeah, like 52,000 people, um, well, adults, it says 12 and over. Hey, you're old <laughs> enough to smoke PCP, you're old enough to be considered an adult. That's right, but you can't vote. Um, no, you, so that, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you smoke a lot of PCP, you probably shouldn't vote anyway. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to say then you've earned the right to vote. Mm, I no? don't know. I think the opposite, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so all that to say, it, it used to be a pretty, you know, um, frequent recreation, recreational street drug. And it has really, really gone out of fashion in, in large part because ketamine is – not the same exact thing, but it's it's largely the same thing. And that became, I guess, the trendier uh, drug to use. Yes. It, but it has remained in fashion in certain pockets, especially um, like deep in the inner cities of uh, Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. Kansas City. OK. Um, I believe. Um, oh, uh, oh, what's a town in Connecticut? Hartford. I, I don't know if it's Hartford. But there's at least two towns in Connecticut that have oh, interesting. a lot of PCP use. And um, they think – I read this really great article in Vice about why America's the only country in the world, basically literally, where people use PCP. Still or ever? Ever. Like but ever still did? as well. Ever. Oh, yeah, it never wow. really made it out of America. Um, it was written by Max Daly and Sam Iravani. It's definitely worth a read. But um, they say one of the reasons why it's so overlooked and one of the reasons why it's not that studied and one of the reasons why you're just like, yeah, ketamine replaced it is because the people who do use it tend to be marginalized, unemployed, mm -hmm. black, inner city men ages mid-20s to mid-50s are typically the people who get busted for PCP. So it's kind of like this viewed as this drug that like 
a, a drug of um, inequality, I think is how they put it. And oh, that'll come up later too, because um, some of the myths around it seem to be tied to the people who use it. Now, uh, I'm not a very smart person, but if if there are like two towns or two cities in Connecticut that are known for PCP still, mm-hmm. doesn't that just mean there's someone in two towns in Connecticut that are making PCP? So, no, almost all of the PCP in the world, because it's almost all of the PCP in the United States, are still controlled and made by black street gangs in L.A., like Crips, Bloods. That is weird then. How does it get to these two weird specific places in Connecticut? Right. I don't know. Those cities that still do and have always smoked PCP, it's always been around, um, are cities that have like clearly some some way or another very deep ties to those same L.A. street gangs because it's really oh, hard to distribute PCP. Very interesting. Really hard. So for it to show up in Connecticut from L.A., there's some there's like somebody's cousin lives there and is controlling the PCP market and they're getting it directly gotcha. from somebody in L.A. who knows a, a, a chemist who will yeah. go out into the desert and make him PCP all day long. Oh, well, that makes sense because I just, I don't know, it seems like there would be like a Walter White in Connecticut or something, but they're still out in the desert. <laughs> yes, supposedly it's all coming out from L.A. All right. Well, um, in 78 is when uh, the United States government said, all right, this thing is officially a Schedule II. Uh, controlled substance, um, which means, you know, a lot of things. We've talked about the different drug schedules, but it means that its uh, prevalence of abuse is uh, a big deal and that it can be addictive. And, you know, it's it's ranked right up there with uh, cocaine and, and crystal meth and stuff like that, which I think we've covered all those before. Yeah, and in fact, it shares a precursor drug, pyridine, with crystal meth. Um, but it's not that. No, it is not. And it actually does have anesthetic effects. Like one of the side effects of uh, ingesting PCP one way or another is like not only do you not really feel pain, Mm -hmm. you don't experience pain because you're disassociated from your body. Mm -hmm. It's a disassociative hypnotic sedative, essentially. And one of the reasons why— Good band name. Sure. Yeah. You have to add the essentially, though. No. (laughs) Comma, essentially. (laughs) Sure. Um, But one of the reasons why PCP and ketamine um, were first brought to market was because they produce sedative effects. Like you don't really know what's going on after a Mm -hmm. certain dose. You're not really with it. You actually can fall into a coma with your eyes open. Um, But it doesn't slow your heart rate or pulse or anything like that. So it really made a um, ketamine in particular found uh, a great use in as a battlefield sedative um, for surgery in like uh, v- Vietnam, where somebody might have lost a lot of blood, they couldn't handle a traditional sedative um, or anesthesia, so they gave them ketamine, and it did the same trick without dropping their blood pressure even further. Yeah, and and uh, what's good for the battlefield is good for the rave, mm-hmm. uh, but it makes total sense, you know, because if you were like as far as the rave culture goes or went, I don't is that still a thing even? I. Sure, it's got to be somewhere, right? If it isn't, it's 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 coming back soon because the '90s are so hot right now. Yeah, somebody's out there raving with mm. with their big. Uh, uh, they're not bell bottoms even. What were the? Did those have a name? Just those baggy pants? jeans. The, no, it was just like the pants that had like like two foot. Uh, what's it called there at the bottom? What's the bottom of your pants like called? The cuff. Cuff. The bottom. Remember those big pants? 
Yeah, they didn't. But the the whole leg was like that, essentially. It was just the waist that was a generally normal size. The legs were huge. Believe me, buddy, I, I had more than one pair of those. I thought they flared. Oh, boy, I'd do anything to see you in a pair of those. I had some cool ones, too, but um, I also had some uncool ones. We used to, uh, when we lived in these warehouses in the West End of Atlanta in 99, 2000, would, and this was there was a big uh, rave uh, loft over there. Mm-hmm. Like people would drive from different states oh, to go bet. to these things, yeah. thousands of kids. And we used to just sit around and play pavement and laugh and make fun of them <laughs> those pants. And they were doing ketamine, ketamine, ketamine. And you're like, look at those losers. Probably. But where I was going with all this was, I guess it, it makes sense why PCP and ketamine and that kind of thing would have been because, uh, you know, you feel funky, but it doesn't, like, slow you down, essentially. No. And, in fact, it can actually increase your heart rate and do all sorts of other weird stuff to you. And the, the what's what's really odd about it um, is that it, it has a lot of paradoxical effects on mm-hmm. humans. I say we talk a little bit about how it, it impacts the brain, and I think that'll become apparent. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. So it's, it's considered a... Um, N-methyl-D aspartate antagonist, NMDA antagonist. Yeah. And NMDA receptors are really important as far as things like um, memory formation, mm-hmm. neuroplasticity, very yeah. important stuff. But um, what they, they're triggered by glutamate. And what PCP does is it prevents those NDMA receptors from accepting glutamate and hence firing. And because there's either more glutamate or less glutamate in your body, I think less glutamate floating around is what it is, a whole host of other stuff happens, like um, dopamine and norepinephrine get released. Um, Those two and serotonin, their reuptake is inhibited, so they're floating around in your your brain even longer. So that's all the the good feely stuff. Right. Um, Your opioid receptors are stimulated as a result. Your nicotinic... um, receptors, which control things like um, your neuromuscular activity, rapid neural transmission, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your muscarinic uh, activity, which includes like breathing, your pupils, salivation, all these things are going haywire. And then what else is weird about it is that your central nervous system can be both depressed and excited yeah. by this same drug. This is how this is how nuts an effect it has on your brain so that you can cycle between like utter sedation to the point of catatonia and it, between that and serious agitation where like you, you see, you know, videos of people who are um, being arrested and they're not like hitting the ground, even though they're getting sprayed in in the face mm-hmm. with bear spray because they're so on like a rant. So it has like all these really crazy effects, but it all comes down to the fact that it affects your ability to receive glutamate in your NMDA receptors. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk a bit more about that sort of uh, reputation as like a superhuman strength, like, you know, it takes 12 cops to subdue someone on PCP thing in a little bit. Uh, what were those people on those videos that you sent me? Ketamine. Was that? Okay. So Josh sent me some videos and... Uh, of people, I guess, the next day or whatever on ketamine, or I assume it was the next day. I think it was hours later. It was like some hours afterward. Yeah. Yeah. And they were uh, almost all of them when they were walking like down the sidewalk or whatever, had this backward lean mm-hmm. 
as if they were walking up like a very, very steep hill, but it was on solid ground. Mm-hmm. And then the one guy, if, if there was a very slight incline on the sidewalk, and he would take a few steps up and then take a few back. And Yeah, he had a hard uh, time. They were all having a hard time, and it was just, uh, I don't know, it's just sad to see someone uh, in that sort of a stupor around in the daylight when people are going to work and stuff. Right. Well, the thing that, that really kind of makes it worth watching is they're with it enough to know that they shouldn't be walking weird in public. And then you can tell they suspect that they might be. So it's kind of funny in a way, but it's really not when you really think about it, you know? Well, watching them play it off or try to play it off and just fail utterly at it, that's that's objectively funny to see. It, well, and it doesn't help that they did the Staying Alive uh, BG song yeah. <laughs> cut to it. Uh, we used to, there was, a, we my friend um, in college used to call, uh, not on drugs, but um, if you were drunk and you were trying to like, play it off like you were super sober uh-huh. and walking around. He called that sugar footing. <laughs> like you're just, you're not just like, oh, I'm just going to walk down the street. You're thinking left foot, right foot, right. everything's fine. Exactly. And he called it sugar footing, which I always thought was kind of funny. Yeah, there's a term for that, a medical term for it. Um, choreo something. I'm sure I'll turn it up at some point. But basically, it's unwanted muscle movement so mm-hmm. you're trying to just walk but you're also doing like you're also just right just like you're dancing essentially even though you don't that's mean why, to and you're trying really hard not alive. to yeah exactly yeah. so um one of the that's one of the side effects of it is these unwanted muscle movements and then also for that reason in san francisco when it first started being abused on the street the hippies mm-hmm. called it wobble weed Oh, yeah. Which makes a lot more sense now that you you know a little bit more about it. Yeah, and we'll talk about the association with marijuana, too, uh, in a little bit. But why don't we take a break, yeah? Yep. All right, we'll put on Staying Alive, and we'll uh, stumble up the sidewalk, and we'll be right back. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website. Whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. 
That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Uh, all right. So we talked a little bit about what PCP does to you and sort of um, in the brain and also how, how you can sugarfoot up the street. Uh, but it, it's not like uh, even though it was used as an anesthetic, that that association with sleepiness isn't accurate, right? No, it's not. And like I said, you can go catatonic um, and with your eyes open, and, but yeah, you're still able creepy. to like move around and do things that you just shouldn't be doing. Like I saw that people will frequently like try to get off a stretcher even though they're catatonic. Yeah. Um, and the reason why is it's a dissociative, and you feel not not connected to your body. You your senses are coming in hot and weird and not making right. any sense to you, you know, um, it removes ego boundaries. So your feeling mm -hmm. of self and the, the distinction between you and other people and the rest of the world around you and the supernatural has kind of blurred or fallen away. Right. I've heard dreamlike from, uh, I, well, to be honest, I've known people who have done this and they've said dreamlike. I can, I could imagine that. And then also one of the other things I saw that I thought was just fascinating is that it's, it makes it difficult to tell whether an event has already happened in the past, um, is going to happen in the future, or is happening now. Right. The whole time uh, time jump thing, right? Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. And then, of course, because it's a hypnotic sedative that affects your um, your NMDA receptors that are involved in memory formation, you you frequently black out. Even though, even though you're walking around doing stuff and even interacting, right. um, you are you probably aren't going to remember most of it. Yeah, big memory impacts, uh, and the the stuff comes on very quickly too, which is one of the um, I, I think the historically like the most um, addictive kind of recreational street drugs are ones that are really fast acting, mm -hmm. and PCP is definitely one of those. Um, what I didn't see, or maybe I just overlooked it, is how long it lasts. Uh, it can last for 24 hours. Right. It's it's a long-lasting deal. Okay, that's right. I did read that because I remember, like, when we did the crack episode, I think I always thought that crack was some long-term thing but was shocked to learn it was just like a super quick high. Yeah, and I think this can be, but it depends on how you take it, right? Should we talk about that? Yeah, there's different ways you can take it, so let's talk about that. Yeah, it used to be uh, in the earlier days, it was like a liquid PCP a lot of times that you would take orally. Uh, but very quickly, uh, the most recreational uh, use um, users used it like uh, it came in like a crystalline powder and they would typically smoke it or snort it um, like a heroin or a cocaine, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
And that became sort of the main way um, aside from, and again, we, I said earlier we were going to talk about the Marijuana Association. There was uh, dipping a marijuana joint or just a regular c- cigarette in liquid PCP has, uh, you can do that with a lot of drugs. They're called wet drugs. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a thing. And um, there was some confusion about the names because I, I heard, I knew what Sherm was because I'd heard that in a movie. From uh, Tarantino movie, which one was that? Really? They talked yeah. about Sherman in a Tarantino movie. I think it was uh, the one he wrote. Only was it True Romance? Uh huh. Or maybe it was Pulp Fiction. It was Sam Jackson, and he wasn't in True Romance. No, I don't I believe he was. That was Gary. Anyway, Oldman. you smoke enough Sherm, something, something, something was the line, and that's the first time I had heard that word. But that's a cigarette. Uh, that was dipped in um, embalming chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of like a prison drug a lot of times because that was something that you could get apparently mm-hmm. uh, easier than, you know, regular hard drugs. Right. And uh, I think for a time that was like PCP was uh, sometimes mixed with embalming fluid. Sometimes the just names were used interchangeably. There was a lot of confusion in the media about embalming fluid and PCP. Yeah. And I think... Think, I mean, I read a lot about it today, and where I landed was sometimes it might have been mixed with PCP, but sometimes people were smoking embalming fluid as well. So what I found from my research is that – so this was a big thing in, like, the mid-'90s to the early-2000s. Oh, really? Yeah, and th- that if you were smoking embalming fluid and you got high, it's because there was PCP in that embalming fluid. Oh, so it was mixed. And that it was, yes, and that it was a, um, that uh, I read from somebody, a medical examiner, who said, like, there's, there, you don't get high at all from embalming fluid. He's like, I used to oh, mix okay. it myself, mm-hmm. and if anybody would have gotten high from it, I've spent more time around it than most people, never got even the slightest buzz. So it's the PCP that's making you high. Gotcha. And it might not even be embalming fluid in the first place, because PCP has kind of a, a very distinct chemically smell and taste. Uh-huh. And it, um, it, you could easily pass it off as embalming fluid to somebody who'd never smoked PCP before. The the thing that I kind of landed on was that it, it was mistaken either among like recovery people or the mm-hmm. media or something. The slang term for PCP, embalming fluid, came to be accepted as oh, teenagers are now smoking embalming fluid oh, by the okay. L7s. It ended up in the media. And the um, it became self-perpetuating. I think uh-huh. some kind of particularly low intelligent drug dealers were like, oh, we can sell embalming fluid. We're going to start robbing funeral homes and then actually yeah. started selling embalming fluid. And it was all just a comedy of errors. Yeah, that makes sense of why it's so hard to separate fact from fiction online today, because it's all over the place once you start looking into that thing. Yeah, there's not really any drug ever. Um, Crack used to come close in the 80s. People were hysterical about crack, crack babies, super predators. Yeah, Um, yeah. It was really bad. But as like for duration of like the the hysterical moral panic over it, PCP has every other drug beat by a mile because not only is it like urban legend, Mm -hmm. but that urban legend becomes fact because the media reports it. Yeah. Um, drug abuse um, organizations say the same thing. The cops say the same thing. Everybody's saying these same things. Like if, if you you'll have superhuman strength, for example, 
That is not true. You don't get superhuman strength. We'll talk a little more about that. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but um, it's it's exactly what you said is exactly right. There's so much disinformation on PCP is you, you just end up having to guess here or there about what's true and what's not. Well, I mean, we can go ahead and talk about it some. Okay. That was, right. uh, you know, I invoked the satanic panic. It was sort of around those same times when we were kids mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in the late 70s where I mean, I remember PCP was like the scariest sounding thing on the planet. Yeah. Uh, and and it was sort of made out to be like if you if you do PCP, there's a very good chance that you'll end up dead and not from like overdosing on PCP, but because you've done something crazy like, you know, tried to bake yourself in an oven or something mm-hmm. uh, because you thought you were a cake. And every school, every region, every uh, town had some story or set of stories that were passed around urban legend style. Well, there were urban legends about some friend of a friend or some friend's cousin who who they know for sure did this. And they fought 15 cops. And Ed used an example of, of some kid who uh, at a hockey game fought like 20 cops or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny how those things proliferate. Uh, and we're not saying like in PCP, it was just great. There was no problem with it. Mm-hmm. But but it wasn't what it was made out to be, which was this uh, a lot of times a, an excuse for cops to, you know, beat down a person because all they have to do afterward is say we suspected they were on PCP and they had a crazy look in their eyes and they were super strong. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, Rodney King was supposedly on PCP. You heard some cops yelling out the word dust at the beginning he of said, that video. He's dusted. Yeah, he's dusted. And. That happens and happened all the time. I don't think it's quite as common now, but it was a very prominent thing back then. Yeah, and in cop speak, he's dusted is raising the alarm that this person is going to try to kill all of us and possibly yeah. could, so go ahead and use excessive force. And it, it was used as a defense in the Rodney King trial. He didn't have any PCP in his system, by the way. But that fear, the this just the very fact that mm-hmm. cops are um, scared of superhuman strength brought on by PCP is one of the things that got those officers um, off the hook in the Rodney King trial, the Rodney King beating trial. Um, be, just the fact that PCP gives people superhuman strength. Yeah. They didn't know he wasn't on PCP. Ergo, they're not really guilty of using excessive force because he could have been on PCP. And if you... If you strip away that argument, like these these police officers were let off for beating a man in a circle, yeah, because they were afraid he was on PCP, because Which PCP gives you superhuman yeah. strength, even though that doesn't actually happen. It's just a total myth that's perpetuated still today. Oh yeah, it's still around. Uh, I think you found this um, meta analysis from a legal paper that really did some scouring and found two cases uh, where PCP was the sole cause, the sole cause of uh, like a violent behavior or violent episode. Yeah, two out of like hundreds. Yeah, and we're not saying that, you know, people do crazy, all kinds of crazy things and all kinds of drugs. So we're not saying no one's ever been violent because and had PCP in their system. Mm -hmm. But the key is, did PCP trigger and cause that thing to happen? And the evidence just says that that's just not the case. No, from what I saw, it amplifies your personality 20 times, I think is what one person put it. One so if you want to beat it. up people anyway yeah. and you're aggressive anyway, yes. then it might, yeah. Then yes, that might be a problem. But you're not going to have superhuman strength. Potentially, 
the one the one explanation for that because I I did see videos of a dude on PCP who was getting bear sprayed in the face multiple times and just kind of wiped his eyes and kept walking around. Was staying alive playing? <laughs> no, I had it on mute, so it's possible it was. Okay, but um, he kept getting tased repeatedly and nothing. Yeah, he didn't have superhuman strength. He was just disassociated from his senses, so he wasn't right. experiencing pain. So you will not move away from noxious stimuli, stimuli like yeah. bear spray or tasers right. because you, you it's not coming through. And finally— but that's not superhuman strength. That is not superhuman strength. And there's yeah. also a really, really, like, widespread um, idea that at, at least one person on PCP has snapped perfectly good handcuffs yeah, because of their su- superhuman too. strength. Yeah, it, it's just probably not the case that that ever actually happened. So there's a lot of myths around this. And again, it's like you kind of hinted at, like, we're not defending PCP. We're not saying, like, guys, PCP's got such a bad rap. There's a right. lot of really <laughs> bad stuff that can come out of ingesting sure. PCP. It's just that superhuman strength is not one of right. them. That's just a, a myth, and it has been used, it, it, it's been argued, to target um, those marginalized communities who use PCP and use it's it's been used to justify excessive force so much so I saw that um, the non or no less than lethal weapon industry mm-hmm. tasers bear spray all sure. that stuff that did not exist until the cops started being criticized for using excessive force. Mm-hmm. And um, they had the 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 uh, the decision to either use their police baton, their nightstick, or their gun. That's all they had. Mm-hmm. And they they when they encountered PCP users, they needed another option. So that's so is that, that why we have that? Yes, stuff? that is why wow. to t- to subdue PCP uh, users. That's why that whole industry exists. That's why okay. it began. <laughs> is that why I have bear spray hanging up at my camp on the wall? That's right, because of PCP users in Washington D.C. In Anacostia. I don't want to spray a bear, even. I don't. I think you're okay. If a bear's coming at you, you can you can spray that bear. I mean, I would. That's why it's there. I just said I don't want to. Like my first line of defense at uh, at camp is uh, I have an air horn. Uh huh. That's good one. So uh, annoy my friends, drive away the bear, drive away my friends. <laughs> the air horns are the worst. Yeah, on Sunday morning. Yeah, and then uh, the the bear spray would be the last resort. I'll tell you what you do, Chuck. This is what you do. You got a bear coming at you. Mm-hmm. You lay down. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Prostrate when you're face down. Mm, I don't remember. Well, let's say it is. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it is. I don't remember. Um, but you're laying face down, pretending you're dead. Mm-hmm. Wait till the bear comes over and mm-hmm. kind of moves you with its paw. Mm-hmm. And you roll over and spray it in the face with the bear spray. <laughs> kind of like that whole trope where you roll somebody over and they're holding like a bunch of grenades with the pins pulled out. Right. Same thing, but with bear spray. That's a great idea. I think so, too. I think we should go try it. The Elizabeth Banks should have uh, made PCP bear instead of cocaine bear. I know we disagree about that. Yes, we do. Uh, but what we can agree is that the story about the crew of the Titanic uh, movie, mm-hmm. not the, the boat itself, right. but when James Cameron was making Titanic, uh, this sounds so much like an urban legend, but it's actually true mm-hmm. that um, uh, uh, some, I think it was another crew member 
That part I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was another crew member. It's a mystery still. Like, they've never fully unmasked the person. Yeah. Okay. Well, they dosed uh, some chowder with PCP and dosed everyone who ate that chowder, which was a a lot or most of the crew. Mm -hmm. And um, it really happened. And I think um, uh, different stories come out of that. You know, I think some people had a really hard time. Some people probably loved it. Yeah, they apparently there was a conga line and wheelchair racing in the ER at the that local hospital. But then yeah. other people, yeah, were not having a good time at all. So sure. James Cameron said that one of the crew members, I think he said a PA, stabbed him in the face with a pen. And oh, wow. He, he said he was just laughing, laughing, laughing about it. Like the like James Cameron was laughing about having been stabbed in the face with a pen. Uh, he, the PA said... This is for Avatar that hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> right. But this is, I think the, the biggest star that got it was Bill Paxton because they were right. shooting those um, current day um, yeah, shots yeah. in like Nova Scotia or something. Oh, boy. I hope the, the that old lady, old Rose, didn't have she it. She was at a restaurant. She did not. Woo. Man, could you imagine? No, that would be really bad. We don't want our senior friends taking PCP, especially not accidentally. Uh, her acting might have improved. You never know. <laughs> I thought she did so-so. Mm, she wasn't very good, in my opinion. So um, you want to take a break? Sure. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about some problems with getting high on PCP. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. 
That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Chuck, one of the things about PCP that makes it so vexing yeah. is that the symptoms that it can produce are really undesirable. And an overdose threshold is not very high at all. It basically dances along the top end of a normal dose. So a normal dose is between 5 and 10 milligrams. I saw as low as 1. Yeah. Uh, but after about 10 milligrams or maybe even at 10 milligrams, you might start exhibiting the exact same symptoms of somebody uh, in the throes of a schizophrenic episode. Yeah, and and we'll talk about that in a second. But part of the problem there, I mean, that's a problem, period. But part of the problem is the dosage, especially if you're smoking fry or sherm or something like that, is I'm, I'm sure the dosage isn't that accurate when you're dipping a, a joint or a cigarette in liquid. It's probably hard to tell how much is on there. No, but I read that you can control it much more easily. You just take a hit and wait a couple minutes. And then sure. if you if you start to come down, you take another hit. And I saw it like an old cop say you can, yeah. you know, if you smoke it, you know, with um, intent, I guess, mm-hmm. you can stay high for 24 hours just from one, one sherm stick. Right. Which means if you're if this is something that you know to do and recreationally do mm-hmm. often, then you probably know what you're doing. But if someone's like, here, try this thing. Uh, and then Ed, you know, use the example of of, you know, someone who like finds the, the joint on the street or something. And I I'm sure that's happened, but I kind of lump that in with that that 80s hysteria of like, you know, you might come across a cigarette that's been laced with PCP that you don't know about or or buy a marijuana joint that's laced with PCP. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure that really didn't happen very much. There, So, no, it does not happen very much. Those stories are, they abound, but they're also really, really rare. But they're, yeah. they're, um, there are stories of people who have done horrific things um, on PCP. Sure. The, the qualifier is, though, that they already had pre-existing um, mental disorders, mm-hmm. and the PCP does not do any favors for you if you have a pre-existing mental condition. Um, even if it hasn't um, come out yet or emerged yet, mm-hmm. it'll make it emerge. And yeah. they argue that it's possible that even if you didn't have one that was going to come out eventually, PCP could conceivably, especially after prolonged use, essentially infect you with schizophrenia. Yeah, that's the one I've seen more often than anything else is it it 100% will exacerbate something like that. Mm. But it can also, uh, why can't we think of the word? Install? Instill? No. Deliver? Instill? Produce? It can produce. Ca- induce, produce, you produce schizophrenia. Um, and, you know, a little bit of a silver lining on that is they actually – uh, can use PCP now and do use PCP as far as studying mm. uh, schizophrenia and, um, you know, how those two are related in humans. Yeah, so, that's a big small one. Small silver lining. They give PCP to, to uh, primates and study what happens it, to study schizophrenia. And then weirdly, um, they're also looking at PCP as a way to study or produce drugs that treat Alzheimer's. 
because mm-hmm. schizophrenia apparently is associated with a lack of glutamate. Remember, PCP inhibits glutamate. Mm-hmm. And Alzheimer's results from, they think, an overabundance of glutamate in the, uh, in the brain. And so PCP has both of those effects. It can induce schizophrenia. It could treat Alzheimer's conceivably. So it, it, I think the fact that it has so many terrible myths around it has really made people cautious about suggesting doing research using PCP. Yeah, it's not like uh, researching microdosing mushrooms or something like that. No, but there is a there is a whole thread of of inquiry into it to to say like okay, there's there's this is doing some stuff to the brain that we should be studying. Yeah, it can also uh, induce seizures. Uh, it can really ramp up your heart rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can it can produce um, rapid involuntary eye movement. It's called uh, nystagmus. Yeah, and not not just like side to side or up and down, but in rotary fashion is one of the ways. So your eyes are just going in a cartoon style. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, and it it just seems to be sort of all over the map as far like a very unpredictable drug, um, as far as its sedative qualities and then it's sort of amping you up qualities. Yes, exactly. That's what I was saying earlier, where you can you can just vacillate between extreme yeah. agitation and catatonia, essentially, and on the same trip over and over again. Really interesting. It is extremely interesting. Um, one of the other big problems with it, and this is why I said you probably shouldn't vote if you are a frequent PCP user, not because mm-hmm. you're a member of a marginal community, but because you probably have some really strange beliefs about yourself and your place mm-hmm. in the universe. Yeah. One of the big things that comes out of it is, uh, especially prolonged use and chronic use, is um, a, a shift in your spiritual and religious beliefs. And typically yeah. it kind of comes down to, oh, I'm a god and right. um, I need to just be hanging out and not doing much because that's what gods do. Yeah. And that's also kind of ties back into the, um, even though it's not superhuman strength, just an, a feeling of invincibility but I've also seen that it's it's not so much an invinci- – usually it's not an invincibility of like, I can take anyone on who wants to fight me. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, I'm invincible in a good way. <laughs> like, I can do whatever I want. Uh, again, not suggesting that it's like a motivational tool or something like that. Sure. But it's just one of the things that can happen. And then uh, conversely, if you are feeling like, say, socially anxious, you're right. probably going to experience profound paranoia. Oh, man, It'll that, amplify it one way or another. It's the, it's the same yeah. thing with LSD, that whole set and setting thing. Right. So um, what else is there, Chuck? Well, if you um, become addicted to PCP, there isn't like a sort of a straight ahead pharmaceutical treatment. Um, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to wean yourself off of it uh, through therapy and um, treatment, basically. Uh, I think Ed did find that uh, uh, chlorprot. Here I go. Chlorpromazine, mm-hmm. chlorpromazine mm-hmm. Um, which is a drug. It can help reverse the effects if you're like like overdosing on PCP, but it's not like the kind of thing you use to break an addiction. No, and you can get addicted. It does have a high um, incidence of dependence because it, it – That's why it's Schedule 2. Yeah. Exactly. Not everything Schedule 2 is, is actually addictive, but in this case, it's actually correct. Um, the, it, it, it stimulates your reward – uh, center so much right. that it produces euphoria that you want it again, but also it it can physically alter your brain, not just mm-hmm. to make you believe that you are a god or something on earth, but also um, to 
to make that threshold for your reward um, system higher. So it's harder to um, to feel good even on at a normal on a normal basis. And right. in turn, you end up having to to ingest more and more amounts of PCP yeah. to get high. And that's a classic hallmark of dependency. Yep. Classic hallmark of many drugs uh, because you use more and more and then that just becomes more and more dangerous. Yeah. And the withdrawal symptoms are really bad too. You can, you can f- very frequently fall into major depression that can last weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, sometimes some of the symptoms don't ever go away. Like you might have trouble talking or speaking. Um, it's just not, it's not a good thing to, to get into, especially long term. Yeah, and it's not the 70s anyway. What are you doing with PCP these days? Did you see that Saturday Night Live skit with um, Tracy Morgan and Will Ferrell and Matthew Broderick? No. Oh. Is that what you sent me? Yes. My, that, that link took me straight to a clip of uh, the ladies' man. Oh, right. That's why I gave you the timestamp at the end. It's like oh. at the end of that whole episode. All right. I missed that. I was like, what does a ladies' man got to do with this? I was like, I love the ladies' man bit, but. Right. No, <laughs> it had nothing to do with it. Although, so what was maybe, it? Um, it was it was basically um, like a inside the actor's studio kind of type thing, but for comedy. <laughs> yeah. So it was real highbrow. Uh-huh. Matthew Broderick's the host. Right. And he was focusing on drug-based comedy that had been inspired by Cheech and Chong. And he featured... Mm-hmm. Orbit and Zach or something like that, mm-hmm. who did PCP comedy. It's, it was Tracy Morgan. Yeah, Tracy Morgan was Zach or whatever, and Will Ferrell was Orbit. And oh um, they, uh, they they played little clips from their record, their hit records from the 70s. Uh, and it's just them, like, screaming about how there's snakes in the toilet and shooting the toilet <laughs> with a shotgun. It's it's really funny. Even if the stuff is, is mythical, it's... um. It, it's just so easy to to yeah. make really hilarious sure. jokes off of PCP. I mean, that's what comedy is. No one's going to come along and say, like, actually, that's not what PCP does. <laughs> right, exactly. That's good stuff. Yep. Uh, and then one other thing, if you want uh, maybe a less than accurate depiction of PCP, you can check out the movie from 1982 called Desperate Lives. Was that the Helen Hunt one? Yes. A teenage yes. Helen Hunt smokes PCP, jumps out of a second story window in her high school oh, yeah. and becomes paralyzed as a result. Yeah, that was was that an actual after school special or I don't, was it I don't a, know. just a movie? It's possible. It had that stank. Yeah, it definitely did. It was definitely a made for TV anti drug movie, but I'm not yeah. sure if it came on after school or not. I remember I have a very vivid memories of that one, and then I know I mentioned it before, probably in one of the marijuana episodes. The uh, uh, Chachi in charge is the guy Scott Bayo. Scott Bayo was in one of marijuana. And uh, I remember that's the first time I heard a bong because uh, he smoked out of a bong <laughs> and, I, and I had that bubbling. And it's like, what is that? I was like, it sounds like like Rice Krispies or something. <laughs> and I was a little kid. I was just like, I've never heard anything like that. Yeah. So there you have it. Scott Bayo and Helen Hunt. You should get those two together. Yeah, apparently Helen Hunt was in two uh, anti-PCP um, made for TV a, specials. Oh, okay. I thought that one was an LSD one. Two PCPs. Yep. Good for her. <laughs> Yeah, that's how her career started. <laughs> yeah, and then she went on to star in the show Mad About PCP. That's right. <laughs> and then she did a guest spot with Orbit and Zach. Oh, man, I got I to gotta watch that. Now. Yeah, it's at the very end. I think it's the last skit. All right, I'm going to queue it up. All right, well, while Chuck's queuing it up, everybody, that means it's time for listener mail. Oh, uh, wait. Uh, so I can't watch it right now? Sure, we'll wait. Okay. It's pretty funny, but you can't turn it up. You have to put it on your headphones because we can't pay for the copyright usage. Uh, let me find it. Boy, is there anyone funnier than Tracy Morgan? I don't 
don't think so. I love that guy. So uh, this is about manners. Uh, hey guys, it's been a million years. It's your old Canadian pal Amanda here, uh, who missed the Toronto Live show. Uh, so Amanda says, I remember Amanda. Uh, many moons ago when Stuff You Should Know was new and my boy uh, Grant was about 11, Chuck sent me an email response that encouraged Grant to read more, and he did. Thanks for that. He's 27 now. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, uh, and a carpenter living in Calgary who read your book. Uh, we are still avid listeners, and you guys kept him company on his recent drive uh, from Toronto. Uh, you're the best companions on drives and while doing household chores, while doing so many other things. Anyway... About manners, my grandmother was a stickler for good manners, as were my parents. I passed that on to Grant, and we've often been told how good manners make situations so much easier. I was recently asked in a professional development setting what the best advice for life I ever received was, and obviously I responded uh, with what I told my kid, and now stepkids, manners are free, and they're social lubricant. Uh, it always gets a laugh, and then once considered, a nod, and a, oh, that's right. And then, then everybody has a sandwich and goes their separate ways. At uh, the dining table, if someone forgets their napkin on their lap or uh, cuts their food uh, all at once instead of eating it bite by bite, uh, my partner and I will say, what if you were invited to dine with the queen? And it always gets a big eye roll and giggle at the table and uh, make sure that the napkins are also in laps, though, and the food is cut properly. It's a fun game for all. I hope you have a marvelous day. Can't wait to hear the next episode. After all these years, Stuff You Should Know is rock and roll. Nice. That was Amanda. That was Amanda. Manners are free, though. I like that. I don't so much the social lubricant part I might lose, mm -hmm. because manners are free. It's just so succinct. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like that. You know, I was thinking, remember I was kind of railing about elbows on the table just being so dated and unnecessary? Sure. I've been thinking about it since then. And while I still agree that it's a great example of people being overly uptight about manners, as if their identity mm -hmm. is associated with it, and if you violate it, you're somehow insulting them, I disagree with that part. But I realize that being aware of whether your elbows are on the table or not makes you more mm -hmm. aware of everything, your surroundings, yeah. the people with you, the food you're eating. Yeah, it yeah. just like makes you focus more. So I'm yeah, kind of down with, with you. keeping your elbows off the table. Not because somebody told you to, because you can do whatever you want as far as your elbows are concerned, as long as you don't put them in somebody else's space. But because it makes you more mindful. Don't dip your elbows in, in your partner's soup. But I do want to say there's a couple of elbows on the table uh, methods, though. If you're uh, if you're in the middle of eating and you're, you've got like your elbow on the table and you're hunched forward and you're eating with the other right. hand, I think that's kind of the rule. But like if you're eating and you're done and you're having conversation to to push the plate away and put both elbows on the table and pat your hands together in a pensive way while you think of something smart and funny. Like, that's a whole different deal. Yeah, well, that's elegant. Okay. So I've been training myself by putting a little little dab of Momo's poop on each of my elbows right before dinner to make uh -huh. sure that I don't put them on the dinner table. It's working yeah, really poop, well. That poop stays on your elbows where it belongs. <laughs> uh, that was from Amanda. What was her son's name, the one you inspired? Grant, Grant, who has been listening since 11 and is now, you know, 60. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to us, Amanda and Grant. And thank you for listening to this episode. And if you want to get in touch with us, like Amanda did and Grant by proxy, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. 